Hey, let's talk about breaking the cycles. Welcome to Breaking the Cycles with Lizina and Tasia. I'm your host, Lizina, and I'm here with my daughter, Tasia. Hello. We're glad that you can join us again as we talk about our journey of rediscovering ourselves after experiencing sexual and emotional trauma. We want to bring awareness on the effects of this through the eyes of victims, survivors, and their families. We're going to continue from the tail end of our first conversation and share a little bit more details about our story. Opening up about sexual abuse, it takes a lot of bravery and I hope you know that I'm very proud of you for doing that and you should be proud of yourself as well. I am. Okay. But thank you. That, that means a lot. It's very important for survivors to be heard and seen, so I want you to know that I see it and I hear you. Um, so I was completely blown away when I found out, and immediately I thought about how difficult this must have been for you. Um, I couldn't imagine being in your shoe at the time, but I also could imagine because <clears throat> at one time I was, and also the pressures around it had been intense. Very, very yeah. intense. Yeah. So talk a little bit about what that time frame was like surrounding you coming out because I can, I, I feel like it wasn't just a decision, I'm going to come out with this. It had to have a lot, had a lot of backlash too and a lot of um, suppression from your abuser. Yes, very much so. I came out when I was a senior in high school. Um, at this point, it had been two years of all the emotional, in, all the intense emotional pull of it, and the um, sexual part as well. Yeah, um, there wasn't necessarily really a boiling point. I think it just came to the point where I was sort of just done mm -hmm. with everything. Um, I was having intense breakdowns. I was seeing things because of all the stress going on in the house and in school. Um, I wanted to be normal. I was having just a regular high school relationship and I had to hide this entire secret from someone that I'm with currently right now. Uh, I remember there was this um, event in school where it was for sexual assault victims. Mm -hmm. And it was part of the whole Me Too movement, but my school at the time, I guess they wanted to do their own event to have their students' voices heard. Okay. But even on that same day, I still couldn't come forward because okay. there was so much, so much anxiety and fear from it. You mm -hmm. know, I had my abuser saying that I can't come forward with this. Mm -hmm. I, if I do this, everyone will hate me or my voice will be heard. You know, even you, you would, uh, mom, you wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't believe me. In this case, uh, whether it was my siblings, they wouldn't be on my side. I All my friends would leave me. So with all those thoughts being put into my head, it came into me being stressed of how do I keep this a secret from everyone? What do I do? Um, but also most of the time, whenever um, someone is trying to come forward or the reason why they don't come forward is because of 
the fear. So at some point, you I'm sure you were afraid of what what happened to him, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I I loved him. I, um, I hate to say it, but I I do I did love love him as an actual father. He had been in my life since I was like five, yeah. five, six. That's all I knew at that point. So I was just kind of afraid of like, okay, is my father going to go to jail? I mean, obviously he's going to have to go to prison or jail. Um, what is the backlash of our culture? You know, it's a, a, a different thing when being Indian and then you married a black man and everyone <laughs> warned you, hey, you have a daughter, be careful. And then we're always like, no, this will never happen. And then it did happen. Yeah. So how do you go about that cultural aspect of it too? Mm-hmm. Um, but after months of me not sleeping and seeing things and breakdowns and just so much chaos in my mind and so much fear, eventually I had this massive breakdown in school and I just, I told my boyfriend, well, currently I still am with the same one, mm-hmm. but I told him first and his immediate reaction was, you need to get out of where you're living. Um, and as soon as I told him, I told one of my closest friends and her reaction is, you need to leave. You need to report this. Mm-hmm. So she was actually the one who brought me to my school counselor and was like, tell her everything. Okay. And I sat down with my school counselor and I told her, and I will say at first, I was afraid of going in detail with everything because I didn't know what the outcome was. Right. But I knew I had that support. I just didn't know what, where do you go from here? Do you say yeah. everything? Do you keep it hidden? Do you say half of the story? But I knew that I couldn't. I had to have everything come out. Yeah. Was it a relief? It it was a relief, but it was also scary. Yeah. I will say that everything was just terrifying when when you do. Well, when I did come out, it was like, I actually did this. Like, whoa, yeah. this is me shouting, hey, this happened to me. I need help. Yeah. And I got that help. I did. Yeah, that's good. Um, It's okay. You pause. That's fine. The thing that sort of sucks, too, is that I was in therapy basically throughout all of high school, all throughout middle school. But it was a rapid change in so much counselors and so much therapists and psychologists because I didn't have that confidentiality in therapy. Whatever my session was about, I'd have to go through and tell my abuser everything because in his in his way of telling me, if I didn't trust him enough, then me going to therapy was for nothing. Yeah. So you couldn't get comfortable or or um, build a bond with your therapist or your counselor in order to fully open up about anything. Yeah, no. And and once I was comfortable with the counselor, I had to stop going to that counselor. Yeah. That was a way of controlling, um, um, making sure that you didn't say anything. Yeah, and, and when I did get comfortable, one of my... Um, my counselors they they told me you need to move out Mm -hmm. and when it did come time for me to be like okay I I do have to have this conversation I remember um 
And it wasn't you. I would. I didn't tell you. Were the first one to find out that I needed to. I told him already. Mm-hmm. And his reaction was, "You know how your mom's gonna feel." And mm-hmm. it was that nitpicking voice where, "Your mom's just not gonna agree with this, or she's probably not gonna care." You don't know. Yeah. And when I did, um, we went for that. We did go for a drive, and yeah, we had that conversation, and that kind of the blank reaction kind of scared me and it was like oh so he he was right in that sense but well I mean to that conversation when you uh, went to counseling and you came home that night and you said um I need to talk to you so we went for a drive I didn't know what the conversation was about and I was with him and he was he didn't say anything to me so when I went with you at that time we had already had such a um, difficult relationship and I was in the mode of not being resistant because before when it was your birthday or your 18th birthday yeah. you wanted to move out and um, I wasn't sure why but I was led to believe that it was because of me so at that point I was not going to pu- push back I wanted to support you so I didn't I didn't, as much as I didn't like hearing you say, because if you remember the conversation, it was kind of like I was toxic and the house was toxic and you needed to get away. So the blame came on me, which is fine. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't to throw shade or anything because I understand now what was happening. So when I, I I swallowed my pride and I thought, okay, um, as long as you have somebody, somewhere to go. Yeah. And uh, and you're going to be safe. That's fine with me. And my plan was to make sure that <clears throat> give you like a little move move in basket. Like sure that you had all the essentials that you needed so that you would be prepared to move out. Um, as much as I didn't like the idea, that's what was going to have to happen. And when after that conversation that we had in the car. Um, I was like, okay, so I guess she is supportive. I, I didn't really know, like, was this her way of, yay, she's out of the house now. Because that was, that was the vibe I was getting from my abuser. It was, she doesn't want you here anymore. And I hated that because I needed you. I, I wanted mm-hmm. our relationship. But every time we got close, it was that we were separated even further. Yeah, I remember the time when we had, it was a simple conversation we had on the phone and you call, You said at the end of the conversation, love you. And that's something that we always did. Yeah. And when you said that, I was so happy. And I told him, I said, she said, I love you. And he was like, wow, that's impressive. But then. Yeah. Um, he came back to me and he's like, you told your mom you love her. And I was like, um, at, at first I thought it was like I did something wrong. The way that, yeah. that the way that he came at me with. Oh, you told her you love her. And I was just like, well, I always say that at the end of my phone calls, just trying to put that defense bubble up. And I was like, but in my mind, why was that so So wrong? wrong. Yeah, you got chastised for saying that you loved your mother. And I was just so happy to share it. Yeah. Not knowing what was going on in the back end of it. So And there were so many times where uh, I would notice that you would go on like long walks and Mm you're often by yourself. Yeah. And I would I would be worried about you. So I would text you like, hey are you okay? You know, I, we yeah. can talk, you know, if you want me to walk with yeah, you. Yeah, that was so odd because we were 
I was led to believe that you didn't <laughs> want anything to do with me. So when all of a sudden this changed and I got a text message that says, hey, if you want to talk, are you okay? You're my mom. And I was like, where is this coming from? I, nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and I guess that's how I felt on the other side. I was like, I know she doesn't want anything to do with me, but she's my mom. I like, she has to want to do something with me. Yeah, you know, before all of this, we were so close. And then it was that off and on. And then even with this whole moving out, situation that I kept saying I wanted to do and him controlling like everything for that time being um there was so much manipulation going on through this period it was so many back and forth tracks of hey you need to go to counseling for your other trauma that you've been through which was and ignore this trauma yeah this one isn't that bad um and then it was just oh you shouldn't um you shouldn't move out because you should not gonna hate you they're never gonna want to be around you again um your mom doesn't love you anymore so i guess you should leave and he kind of told us that he had an illness which is mm-hmm. um, yeah affecting everything that he does so it would kind of go back and forth where he was emotionally distressed he would use that illness against me and be like oh so you're gonna leave me you're not gonna help me with this and then it's oh i don't want you here so why don't you leave so because of that back and forth i would just end up sneaking out i just you know i would take the car and i would go go over to my boyfriend's house and i'd be like Hey, can I sleep here for a few hours? That was my way of escaping. Mm-hmm. Um, and after a while, it just became of me sneaking out almost every night and then coming back, just make sure I was up before I to go to school. It just I didn't like having to do that. It was like that's another thing I had to hide from everyone. That was another thing I couldn't come out with. That hey, I have this relationship, even though I think you guys knew after a while. Yeah, that, I yeah. I had a relationship. It just felt like I couldn't say it. You had to keep too much in. So it makes sense while everything boiled out. And then with your school, having the um, the sort of similar Me Too yeah. thing, it just uh, pushed you kept kind of. And then aside from that, it was so much friendships that I had that wasn't so good for me. Mm-hmm. I was entering such a whole toxic environment and then trying to get myself out of that while also coming back home to a toxic environment Mm -hmm. it's like what am I doing Mm -hmm. I I had so many breakdowns in school so many times I just leave the classroom and I wouldn't even ask I just walk out the classroom and I'd I'd go cry in the bathroom yeah and usually girls walking in there like oh she's having her little crying session like they do in the movies and no I'm, I'm going through some stuff and I don't know what to do so it came down to that whole I was just tired and one day um I just woke up and I felt even more zombie-ish like Mm -hmm. I had no emotion and I just I was like I can't do another day of this I can't no matter what you know I wanted to be that perfect child that could go through all of this but that craze created so much in me that you can't go through that another day that wasn't something that you could be a perfect child for that's yeah 
that's nothing. So I called my boyfriend and I was like, can I move in with you? <laughs> yeah. And his reaction was, uh, yeah, but what's going on? And I just told him everything. And that's when I finally told my story. I told what was going on. Even how scary it was, it was, I finally let it out. Yeah. That's great. And the thing is, I thought that it was just going to be passed over, like brushed on the rug. And counselors would have been like, oh, it's probably not that bad. And put you back in the, the, basically not allow you to leave. I thought that still, again, that you wouldn't, you, yeah, you, you wouldn't believe me. My friends wouldn't believe me, but then all my closest friends became like super friends and you became super mom <laughs> and just kind of, I think when, um, when you were so afraid of me not believing you that you built this, um, in your mind, you prepared yourself. Well, she's not going to believe me, so I must be resistant to her right away. Yeah. And the thing is, after I, I did come up with it, you didn't find out till a whole week later yeah. after I had moved out and everything. Yeah. Um, and I, I told her, I was like, look, you got like two days to tell my mom because I don't know. Should I tell her? Do I need to like, hey, send a text by the way, this this kind of happened to me. Like, yeah. how do you bring forth that conversation? Were you afraid that if you were the one who told me that I wouldn't believe it, that it needed I to come from him? I felt that way because you and him were so close. You guys are best friends. So, yeah. and no matter what I kept saying, like, hey, get a divorce. Hey, do this. All of this stuff with this whole drama that happened. It was like my words wouldn't have mattered at that point. It was like, hey, tell her before yeah and that was that was also my way of having him come clean about what he was doing yeah because in his mind he wasn't doing anything it wasn't bad it was normal like this is a normal relationship between a stepfather and a daughter when that's not the case like he is i don't i mean he used porn as an example like that that couldn't that's not (laughs) yeah that's how twisted his mind was throughout all of this it's like that's not normal i know this is not normal you know this is not normal most people know it's not so he tried to normalize it so that you wouldn't report him yes yeah and then when it did come to the time of reporting it it just blew up even more yeah and it was oh i need to know this information about you coming out to the police you know before you anyone else found out yeah you know when i told him hey you need to tell your relatives you need to tell a lot of people what's going on and why you're leaving you can't just pack up your bags and leave because mm-hmm. your kid told someone yeah. you know and i was just surprised that you didn't find and he told me he texted me he's like oh yeah i told her and so- i was like the entire week that went by with no text or anything, I was like, wow, she really doesn't care. Mm. And I think I was the one who texted you first, where, like, that said something like, oh, did you? No. no? When I found out, we'll we'll talk more about yeah. that in a little bit, but um, you can go ahead and finish your thought process before we get too uh, sidetracked. Yeah. Um <laughs> So I definitely, when it was received, I definitely had a lot of support. And I love that because that was something where 
my voice was heard and I was being supported so much. And it was just, it was really, it was nice. I just, I just didn't think it was going to happen like that. So um, now that you guys kind of heard like my point of view, what was like your point of view, mom, from like finding out like this kind of happened to me in um, that way? <laughs> shocked. I'm, I'm still shocked. I think I, I lost my mind for two whole straight months. Um, I, could, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't. This was a, <laughs> he was a perfect man. And I was, he definitely put himself like that. Yeah, he, that's the, what he portrayed to me. That's who I thought he was. I never in my life, ever, expected this from him. And when he told me, I, I think that I, I, I howled. <laughs> I was at work. I was preparing for an interview the next day, and I had a project to complete. And um, this lady was working a few uh, offices. Uh, over for me and she came over immediately she's like are you okay and I couldn't even all I could say is I'm sorry I'm okay but I need to be alone right now yeah and I immediately as soon he was still on the phone with me and I text you and that was the first time I text you and I think that you were you were so aggressive yeah (laughs) I was afraid I like I legit thought like oh no this is not gonna turn out okay I was like how do I how do I let her know that I, you know, I believe her, like, I mean, I know, like, I'm on her side, um, and trust me, if you had told me, I, same reaction, everything that happened would have been the same thing, he'd been gone, Yeah. I, you know, um, <clears throat> there would have been no questions, I wouldn't have asked you any questions, because I know to be believed is the most important thing, and to be supported, and that's what you needed, and um, I needed to make sure that I was there for you for that. So, thankfully, through miracles, you were able to um, <laughs> uh, come and talk to me. But it was it was devastating. If I think about it now, I'm still shocked. Um, yeah. It's it's been um. It's not as intense as it was before, but it's gotten a little bit better. But in that my in that moment. Everything crumbled, and I thought, okay, well, the law is going to handle this, and, you know, I just needed to make sure that I pick up the pieces, take care of my kids. Um, I got a second job, (laughs) but me having that second job was like a way to escape to keep my mind busy and be so busy so that I don't face the reality of it. It was really a rough, very, very rough two months and more yeah. um, as things progress and especially the lack of support with the law, um, the judicial systems, um, having to pick everything up on my own and make sure that you guys uh, were okay emotionally, get everybody into counseling, my, uh, making sure that I continue counseling. I know once I got into counseling every week, you were like, did you go to counseling? Yeah. Did you, did you attend your session? Are and you sure you attended your session? Yeah, because it felt like you were trying. I mean, and the thing is, I knew that I needed to be patient with you. And um, it was it was rough because yeah. <clears throat> this was this big change for <clears throat> regardless of the relationship. We were a family unit for, what, 12 years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so 
everybody had a mom and a dad. Mom worked a lot. All of a sudden, like I was a stay-at-home mom for so long, and then I went into work part-time, and then all of a sudden I needed to work full-time. And adding another job onto that, that's right. insane. It was, um, but for, as, a, as a mom, nobody wants to heat. I don't think any mom wants this to happen to their children, especially from their stepfather, the person. And so I felt like I felt to be blamed because how many people were like, don't get married to him to see is still young. Of course, why'd you marry a black man? <laughs> you know, yeah. um, but most importantly, they were concerned well, to see is still young. Um, so I got a lot of blame and a lot of things too were, how did you not see this? And, um, so I, it was, I feel like at, at some point we're repeating what we're talking about, but it's, um, to, and I'm stuttering again, which is fine. I mean, it's, yeah. it's an emotional topic, so. Yeah, I was, I was shocked and I was worried about how everybody would feel, like, you know, coming out to the family and things like that. And that I wanted support. I needed support, and um, I had I had good support as well, but I also didn't have support, you know. So it it definitely was a mixture. But I wanted to, I couldn't accept that this was okay. So I didn't care anymore what anybody thought. I yeah. was like, these are this is for my children. So if I need to go and scream it loud on top of the roof or shout in the microphone. However, I needed to. I was going to be heard and make make a big ruckus about this so that it doesn't get swept under the rug mm -hmm. because that's what's happened in the past, right? Whenever um, anyone opens up about this kind of stuff, they don't. Nobody wants to talk about it. No, it's like this person's come out with their story, and then that's mm -hmm. and then they get forgotten, especially with how the law takes forever to handle it. It's been over a year now, and nothing's been. Yeah, happening. Um, so um, nobody knows about it anymore. I mean, I'm sure people know about it because I'm here still constantly <laughs> talking about it. But uh, how many other victims they they don't hear about it? Their parents and their 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 brothers and their sister all have to move along, and it's a it's a daily process. You have to get up every day. Yeah. And say, wow, this isn't the life that I was get, that I wanted, but this is the life that I was given. And you can, there are many times where I was depressed about it. And there are times when I just woke up okay. But it, most of those days, I had to pull myself out of it. I had to just think about being a mom. And then also there's a woman in Ludina, right? Yeah. So um, it, it definitely is a balancing act. Because if you're so focused on your kids, and many people tell me, Lazina, self-care, you have to take care of yourself too. You know, the uh, airplane mask. Yeah, you know? where you got to put that yeah. on and, first um, before you take care of your child. I, I, could, I didn't even know how to take care of myself. So, um, and I know for, for one thing, you and I weren't going to let this bury us. We we're going to no, come we, out of this. We worked hard for our relationship. Mm -hmm. And we're not, we're going to come out, we've decided that we were going to come out of this better, um, more aware, making sure that we break this cycle and make sure that it doesn't pass on to my other children. And um, 
because sometimes I look and I, I see the patterns repeating, especially with you. You know, I had a, a, um, a history of sexual trauma and then it's, you know, getting into relationships that wasn't healthy or didn't even take time for myself. I think this is the longest I've ever been by myself. And oh, it's, wow. Yeah. And it's been it's been good for me because I'm learning a lot about myself and I've gotten to that point now where I'm doing much better. But as your mom and your siblings' mom, I don't want this again. I don't want anybody I don't want anybody to go through this again. Yeah. It's it's too much. It's hard and it's it's so difficult like so I, I can't find words at times and I'm sure there are other mothers out there who have similar paths because we're not the only ones and um, I found that there were a few women that I've met that kind of went through the similar situation and they didn't they didn't know how to react just like I didn't yeah you know and everybody handled it everyone handles it differently not no one had no one handles it wrong. It's just differently. So Everyone goes through their grief. Everyone mm-hmm. goes through their pain in a different way. Yeah. Some of us hide. Some of us reach out like you did and become super mom, super friend. And other times it's that we hide. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of what a lot of victims do as well. We, I mean, I, I hid for a while. Yeah. I mean, my before all of this with, you know, your ex basically and, my yeah. ex stepfather. <laughs> yeah. Um, before that, that was the event the the where I was sexually assaulted from a classmate. Yeah. Um, and I hit I had I hit that for six years. That that was so much pain for six years, and then yeah. if that pain was amplified like three hundred million times more because this was someone that I trusted. Yeah. So it makes um. I hope it goes to show that you can open your open up and talk about it. So open up and talking about it and bringing awareness to it, that in itself is breaking a cycle. Yeah, it is. Um, hiding from it and avoiding your feelings. And the, we're in this world now where everything is about self-care, but also at the same time it's not because you have... <clears throat> the Me Too movement took a, a lot to even get started. Yeah. And then when it gets started, it's still being resisted, on the other hand. So a lot of people are afraid of the backlash of it, like I, like we talked about. You were afraid of coming out because of backlash. And I was afraid of opening up because of backlash. And I was holding it in and opening up while I did get backlash. The support um, has been more. Yeah. The, the fear, the the way that the, the brain works, and I learned this when I took psychology in, in high school too, mm-hmm. It your brain is very emotional. Yeah. And once you start being clouded by fear, fear spikes anxiety. Mm-hmm. And those two don't really mix well in that case. So it causes a bunch of thoughts that your mind's constantly thinking of, the what ifs and how and yeah. maybe and sort of or and all these very open-ended questions of anxiety and if you give in to the negativity of it then you're just gonna end up suffering the most yes and then that's when it entitles more into mental illness and it worsening if you have depression if you have anxiety 
you know, I was late when I went to counseling, I was labeled all sorts of yeah labels. Yeah, and I got lost in it. It's I was so, like, it's such a stigma. If you go into therapy, something's wrong with you, and then on the other side, some people wear it like it's an accessory. I'm going to therapy. Therapy is what you give. So, yeah. um, if I think we just need to stop caring about what others' opinions of us are, the, the labels that they put out yeah. there, and just do what's best for us and our children. So I'm making sure that I do what's best for my children right now and myself. Yeah. And so far, it's been, it's been proven fruitful for me. It might not for someone else, but definitely being aware. Being aware allows you to, like, under, like it provides you so much clarity and so mm-hmm. much understanding to what to look out for. Yeah. And also maybe look within yourself. Hey, maybe there's something that you've been through that maybe you've blocked out of your mind. Or maybe yeah. there's something there that was always you forced to push it down. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping to inspire well, the I think, voice well, to come out. You're definitely in a very inspiring young woman. So I'm sure that it will be received well. Thank you. And you are a very inspiring woman, too. Well, thanks. For being super mom and <laughs> super friend. Continue to flatter me. Thank you so That's much. That's not flattery. I it's know. true. <laughs> <laughs> I do appreciate that, um, especially with the path that we've been on. So if there's any listeners out there who have sh- similar stories and you want to um, share it, you're more than welcome to join us on this. Uh, <clears throat> and we're here to talk about things that are often considered taboo because that is that's how we're going to break cycles very much so mm-hmm. so uh today this is the not today <laughs> <laughs> this is the end of this segment we're going to continue on with our next episode and talk a little bit about parenting and <clears throat> uh take a look and a little bit deeper look and see how we got to this point and how it affected Tasia, how parenting affected Tasia, and how we can change. How we can change for the better. Yeah. Thank you all for listening so much. I really appreciate the support, and we'll see you soon. Hey, it's Tasia again. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to our podcast. If you could please follow our Instagram at breaking underscore the underscore cycles. And our Twitter handle is breaking underscore the underscore psych CY7. Also, please sub to our website at breakingthecycles.net. See you next week.